0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Christ and Me with Addie, where we seek to live out a John 3.30 life. John 3.30 says he must become greater and greater, and I less and less. Let's be real. In today's world, it can seem impossible to live out what the Bible calls us to do. Not only can it be hard to understand sometimes, but finding the time to read the Bible, to understand the Bible, to know the Bible, it can just be overwhelming. So I created this podcast so we could walk alongside each other, share some of our stories and struggles, but also where the Lord is bringing us so that we can encourage one another and stay rooted in his word. It's my prayer that you walk away from each episode saying, I know that that is Christ in me. I know Christ in me. So let's get into today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of Christ in Me with Addie, where today we are talking all about how to find a home church or a local church that just feels like home. Maybe you've never been to church. Maybe you grew up in church and haven't gone for yourself in your adult life. It's just been a while. Maybe you've fallen away and are looking to get back into church, but maybe a new church because your last one, things just didn't work out there. Or maybe you have yet to find a church that just feels like home. In this episode, we're going to discuss what the Bible has to say about gathering as a church body, why churches exist in the first place. Then we're going to discuss things to look for when searching for a church. And lastly, we'll talk about whether or not Christians need to attend a church in order to be a true Christian or to be saved. I want to first start this episode with a bit of a personal testimony when it comes to church. I share the full extent of this in my testimony episode, which you can check out later, but I'm one of those people who grew up absolutely just dreading church. I was raised in a more ritual-based and exclusive denomination, and I didn't like church because as a child, to me, it just felt very empty. I had to comply with many traditions and rituals, but I didn't understand any of them, and they weren't really explained to me. So I was going through the motions, going through the rituals, because I knew that in doing so, it kept peace in the household with my parents, because for us as kids, it was an expectation, like you go to church if you're a part of this family, and also because it's just what I was told to do. Then I grew up, I moved out of the house, and I did not continue attending church on my own, because what I'd been raised in was conformity to religion and not a true relationship with Jesus. The relationship with God wasn't there. It wasn't established, and therefore, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. I didn't think I was missing much by not going to church anymore. I didn't see the value in it. Nearly a decade later, I found myself in a rock-bottom sort of situation, which again, you can hear about in my testimony episode, and I felt a call on my heart to go to church again. I decided to try praying. It had been forever (laughs) since I had like truly prayed to God, but I decided to just try praying and um, I just asked God, you know, where should I start? Because I had no idea. You don't want to lead in your own strength and understanding. So if you too are searching for a church, I would say step one is to take that first step in faith and just send up a prayer to God. Not just one prayer, but but try to pray every day and just say, God, I, I feel this call on my heart to go to church, or maybe it's God, this, this previous church hurt me and I'm anxious about going back. Um, help me find a new church or, or help me to, to resolve these feelings of unforgiveness. Help me to overcome this anxiety. It's so important to start with prayer to make sure that your will is aligning with God's will. So for step one, I would say to pray. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I love that verse because it reassures us that when we are seeking God, he will instruct us and teach us in the ways that we should go. So if you're trying to find a church that is safe, that brings you the community that you seek, the peace that you seek, the love, the friendship, the fellowship that you seek— Rest on Psalm 32, 8, but also give your prayers to God before just jumping in and hoping it all works out. I also want to say I was anxious to step into a church again. I definitely experienced church hurt as a kid, and I felt like I'd gone too far to be someone welcome back into a church. And honestly, I didn't really want to give up my Sunday mornings. So there was a bit of personal hesitation there, but also some personal selfishness as well but despite all of that, I began researching local churches near me. Truthfully, I had no idea where to begin, what to even look for, or even which denomination to explore. It just seemed overwhelming, and I didn't even know where to start. So that's really what brought about the inspiration for this episode. Episode. If you're finding yourself in that place where you're just So overwhelmed and frustrated with not knowing where to begin, you just haven't begun, I want to encourage you in this episode with clear-cut steps, things to look for so that you too can get plugged into a church. I still remember walking into the church that I picked for the first time. My heart was racing as I tried to figure out how to blend in and look like I knew what I was doing. My mind was racing as I envisioned my past experiences as a kid with so much worry and weight on my mind and my heart. And my anxiety was just at an all-time high. Like I had nervous, sweaty palms. I really wasn't talking to people. I was just trying to get in, find a seat, and then get out at the end. I'm a natural introvert and tend to shy away from going new places entirely on my own. So as funny as it might sound to some of you extroverts out there, this was like such a roller coaster of emotions for me to go to a church for the first time. So I'm telling you all this to say that I've been there. I know I may seem so comfortably immersed into the church world now, like I've just always been this way or something. But as I stated, like anybody else, starting out at something new and seeking something new can be really difficult. And I started as someone new who is anxious about going to a new church for the first time. I just, I still remember when I walked in, I wanted to share this too. At first, I felt like the weight of my sins and the shame that I was feeling, I felt like it was just on display and that everybody could see right through me, not because they made me feel feel judged or because they pointed out my shame and sin or anything like that. But I was just experiencing the very real conviction of being far from God, but trying to seek him and figure out how to, to gain closeness to him again. But I was met at that church with so much grace, love, and excitement by the people, like hearing them say, I'm so glad you're here. Like, welcome. Is it your first time hearing those things? You know, they didn't jump on me and pounce on me. Like, are you new here? It wasn't weird or anything, but just small interactions from the person who said hello at the door to the person who handed me, um, the sermon notes for the day. I just felt so much warmth and, um, The the welcoming of the people was just overwhelming in the best kind of way. So it's funny how often our worries write the narrative instead of us just taking that first step and seeing what it is actually like. I'm so grateful I did because without having tried church again, I would have never joined the worship team, began working in ministry, or met my now husband. I'm a huge advocate of church and have found it to be such a beautiful community, but don't get me wrong. I want to be sure to say this too. The church isn't perfect and misrepresentations of Jesus do still happen. I want to be sure to say the perfect church does not exist because we are all broken people just trying our best to embody the only one to lead a perfect life. And that was Jesus. I also want to be clear in saying that that does not mean that we should overlook people who misrepresent Jesus. I think that there is room in the church and it's biblical that we should confront people who misrepresent and people who sin within the church, especially among leadership. So if you've ever been harmed or wronged by someone at a church or in church leadership and you've never gotten an apology from them, I want to say as a Christian woman on behalf of them, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that they misrepresented Jesus to you, but do not let that paint the picture of who Jesus is or the character of his people and how we are called to be. We don't overlook um, when wrongings happen. And I'm sorry, even if you never hear an apology from that person, I want you to hear an apology from me as a woman who is so devoted to the church in Christ that I am sorry that that happened to you. And just try your best to not allow it to paint how you picture Jesus or God's people moving forward. Once I found a true relationship with Jesus, I realized that, yes, hypocrites exist within the church, and I'm certainly one of them at times. But if we continue to correct one another in love and forgive as we have been forgiven, church can be a healing place, a place of so much encouragement, and a place to enjoy the beauty of fellowship. After all, Jesus said that it's the sick who need a doctor and not the healthy. He came to be the perfect model. The church isn't the perfect model. It is merely just the gathering place for those who recognize our deep need for God. We also see in Romans 3.23 that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Even church people, even pastors, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So let's talk about more why the church exists and what the Bible has to say about church. I want to clarify that when categorizing the church, this doesn't just mean a building, but it means a body of people. The church has always been meant to symbolize the gathering of God's people and doesn't mean four walls and stained glass. I've seen people who have home churches and they just merely gather in living rooms. I've seen churches built into the side of a mountain, like lookout point that doesn't have much of a structure, but it's like a beautiful place to just gather and worship God in nature and so much more. Church is about the body of believers, not the building. We see this idea supported in scripture also. The word church is a translation from the Greek word ekklesia, which is defined as an assembly or called-out ones. Romans 15:5 says, "Greet the church that is in their house." Paul refers to the church in their house, not a church building, but a body of believers. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23 says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulf- who fills everything in every way. The body of Christ is made up of all believers in Jesus Christ from the day that he ascended into heaven in the book of Acts until Christ's retur- return as laid out in Revelation. Biblically, The church is addressed in two ways, as the universal church made up of all believers or as the local church of a specific region or area. It's important to know the difference when reading scripture to know what is applicable to us today versus what was specific to a certain local church at that exact place and time in history. The universal church consists of everyone everywhere who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians 12:13, "For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given to one Spirit to drink." This verse says that anyone who believes is a part of the body of Christ and has received the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Christ as evidence of this. All those who have received salvation through faith in Jesus Christ comprise the universal church. So there we see the definition of the universal church, or often called the big C church, um, and that is the entire body of believers who make up um, the following of Jesus Christ. Now let's define the local church biblically. The local church is described in Galatians 1, 1 through 2. Paul, an apostle, and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Here we see that in the province of Galatia, there were many churches. They had a localized ministry, and they were scattered throughout the province. So we see here that, um, that Paul, an apostle, is directly quoting or talking to one specific local church, and he's not writing to the big C church. So no, when looking for a church of your own to call home— You are a part of the greater universal church of Christ while also being a part of a church local to you. Next, you may be wondering, so what even is the purpose of church? Acts 2.42 is often called the purpose statement for the church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So according to this verse, we see four things laid out as the purpose or the activities of the church, and it should be number one, teaching biblical doctrine. You may have heard um, a common expression, sort of, I call this Christianese, sort of Christian language, uh, where people say that it wasn't sound doctrine or not sound theology, or it was sound doctrine. It is sound theology. This is basically saying whether or not the doctrine that that church is teaching is adhering to the Bible. Because as we know as Christians, the Bible is the foundation for the entirety of our faith. If you're struggling to recognize the Bible as a true historical document that's been compiled over time, I wanna refer you to my episode titled, How Do I Know I Can Trust the Bible? Where I break down historically where the Bible came from, how we got it, and how we know it can be trusted. So number one, the church teaches a biblical, doctrine. Number two, they provide a place of fellowship for believers. Number three, they observe communion. And number four, they pray. With that in mind, let's dig into what to look for in a local church. I recommend getting on Google or there's a really cool website called thegospelcoalition.org, which is a directory of biblically sound churches to find churches that are in a realistic proximity to you and searching for these top. Thing. So once you find some churches that, you know, seem interesting, that they, they seem like they align with, with what you're looking for, these are more sort of nitpicky things to check before attending for the first time. So number one is to look for the church's mission or vision statement before you go. When looking at a church's website, it should be very easy to find their mission statement. This is typically under like the about section or under the who we are section, or even under like the church history section, sometimes they'll list it there. At my church, our mission is moving people closer to God, and our vision is the Jesus way. At another local church near me, it's make heaven full. The mission statement should be in alignment with scripture and should point to the glory of God and the great sacrifice of Jesus. Some red flag mission statements would be things like to affirm all people or to achieve deity for all. Things like this point to the glory of people and not the glory of God while also expressing ideas outside of things that the Bible supports. If you don't know enough about the Bible to know whether or not a church's mission statement aligns with Scripture, you could always ask a trusted Christian friend or mentor for a second opinion. Just make sure it's someone who is a Bible-believing Christian who believes that God's Word is the foundation for our faith. Something else to point out is that, unfortunately, today, there are many churches that claim to be Christian— but teach progressive Christianity, which is not actually Christianity. It's a doctrine that has some understandings from the Bible, but they have been chosen or developed into um, ideas that contradict the Bible to suit things that um, are being talked about, present social issues. This happened in ancient times too. In 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 5, the writer instructs, Preach the word. Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This verse reminds us that false teaching and false doctrine will spread, but the word of God is the truth. Remember, the Bible is the foundation for all of Christianity, and without it, we're making up our own religion and defining who we want God to be versus actually following him, which brings me to my second point find the church's core beliefs, values, or statements of faith. This also should be listed on their website. And if you're listening through a podcast platform, I want to encourage you to hop over to YouTube because I'm going to show some examples of churches in my area and what um, what these look like on their website so you know how to better find them for a church in your area. So these core beliefs, values, and statements of faith will cover a variety of topics, such as the church's view on Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, on marriage, the Bible itself, salvation, and so much more. To give a better example, I recently saw a viral video where a church in Kentucky of a more progressive nature rewrote the many hundreds of years old apostles creed and changed it to the sparkle creed where they stated they believed in the non-binary God who wears a fabulous tunic and has two dads. This is an example of a progressive church rewriting biblical theology in order to affirm modern day social issues. While affirmations may feel nice, this sparkle creed is in complete disagreement with many scriptures in the Bible. The Bible is clear that we are to deny ourselves to follow Christ. So just look over the church's core beliefs and make sure they're accurately teaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus' life, but also the nature of God. Remember, churches don't exist to affirm humans, but to affirm who God is and his deep love and mercy for us, despite our human sin nature. But I also don't want you to get overwhelmed in hearing these things because you don't have to have everything about your faith figured out in order to attend a church. If you're still wrestling with ideas where you're unclear on what the Bible has to say about something, again, this is where having a trusted Christian mentor or Christian friend that you can ask to either go with you to this church or look over their website with you is really crucial. Number three is take a first visit and analyze the culture of the church. This is something you can assess on the church's website or social media pages before you visit. Ask yourself, you know, what are the photos like? Does it seem like a bunch of stock images from a website that they bought? Or are these real photos of real people communing in the church? Of course, we don't want to fully discern a church based on appearance alone, but we can learn a lot just by how the church presents themselves online. It's almost like their digital portfolio on why you should visit. So next would be visiting for your first time after you've sort of assessed the website. You could ask a Christian friend to go with you or ask, you know, a Christian friend if you could go with them to to their church and check it out. Ask for recommendations and talk to people who, who you trust. I know this is a scary first step, but recognize even if you aren't super familiar with the Bible yet, or if you know that you're wrestling with things in your life that the Bible may speak against, you're in good company. Every single person in the church, or even not in the church, is wrestling with sin before God. We are all welcomed and wanted no matter what we are facing. I saw another viral video. And it was of these two girls kind of dressed in all goth, you know, emo punk with fishnets and heavy eyeliner, lots of tats and like face piercings. And in the video, they were trying to act scary and were like, what if we showed up at your church? What would you do? And I have to tell you, I was so delighted to see the Christians responding in the comments section as Christians should with so much kindness, like we would say welcome uh, we would shake your hand and introduce ourselves and ask your name. We would show you to the coffee station. We would help you find a seat. And that's the thing is there is an open door policy at church. Church is one of the few places that has an open door policy. Even if you don't fully agree with everything or know everything about the Bible yet, it's a place to learn, grow, and heal in community, and you are welcome. So just give it a go. You too may be pleasantly surprised to be greeted very warmly. However, if you do not experience a warm greeting, which I have yet to experience myself at any denomination of church I've ever been to because it's not in Christian culture, we're called to be kind. But that may not be the best fit and that may be a serious red flag that the culture in that church might be maybe lingering on the side of negative or I'm not sure. But if you're not greeted warmly at a church, I would take that as a red sign. I would also take a moment to assess How are the people who are volunteering? Are they cheerful and excited? You know, when you see people out in the parking lot and it's like completely downpouring, but they're doing a little dance as they wave you into your parking spot, that's a pretty good indication that people love being there and want to serve through the rain, sleet, and snow just to get you that um, great parking spot and greet you with a smile. So just really assess, are people happy to be there? Um, Ask a staff member, what's your favorite thing about the church? Or try to catch the pastor afterwards and introduce yourself and just try to read how they are. I still remember my first time trying church again. I was so nervous over what to wear. I hadn't been to church in so long. I wasn't sure what was appropriate versus what would make me stick out like a sore thumb. But despite all of my worries, a gentleman came up to me as I sat completely in the back of the sanctuary, just trying to blend in. He introduced himself and he told me he was glad I was there. That simple act of kindness is what made me come back the next week. The next thing is to look at the leadership, the pastors, staff, and evaluate the teaching. 1 Timothy 3 1 through 7 refers to a leader as someone who is above reproach or of great character, like a husband would be to a wife. He must be sober minded, self controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. The reason being that if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? If someone does not know how to manage their own household, how will they know how to manage a body of believers in a church? It's important to know we shouldn't expect perfection out of church leadership, but it's clear in scripture that being a a leader in the church is of a high calling with high expectations. After all, when leaders fail to live up to these expectations, there can be so much strife internally. It can cause a loss in faith in the congregations. As the, of the congregation as they lose faith in their leaders, this has led to several splits within a church, people turning away from the church altogether and more. Scripture also writes about how there are spiritual forces, there are demonic forces that primarily attack churches with the intention of completely splitting them up. And that's why you have to be on guard as a church leader. You have to be above reproach. Understand the layers of management also. What are the problem-solving strategies in more of that church? This may take some time to unpack, but does the staff attend the church? I know this may seem odd, But I have visited some churches where the staff do not attend the church they work at. They're there for the weekday as they, uh, you know, do their paperwork and things like that, but they don't actually come to the church on the weekends. And I believe this is a huge red flag. Also, look into have many staff members resigned from the church? What's the turnover there like? I know these are harder things to dig out, but you'll hear about these things as you're there longer if there are a lot of issues within the staff. Understanding these dynamics can help you understand the health of the church and whether or not it's a dictator or a democracy-type situation happening. When it comes to the teaching, know there are different preferences on the teaching styles. We aren't looking for whatever pastor has the hottest new Nikes on their feet or the coolest outfit, but does the teaching convict you, inspire you, and challenge you? Of course, we are called to be students of the Word on our own throughout the week and not just when we're hearing the sermons on Sundays, but sermons are a time to be a student on an even deeper level as we are learning from elders and mentors in the faith. After the per- after the pastor's sermon, ask yourself, did any of it resonate with you? Did any part of it speak to exactly what you're facing? Or did the pastor seem arrogant? Did he lack, you know, humility and humbleness? Did he seem... Scatterbrained um, or even exhausted by the word, like he's taught that message a million times and is a little bored over it. Those are all red flags. The next tip is to ask for a copy of the annual report annually churches conduct an annual report that gives statements on how each department and ministry is spending. In this report, which is open to the public, by the way, you're not weird for asking for it, and most churches have a copy of this on hand to give out to new people who are looking to become a member of the church or just attend the church. You will be able to see how much money was donated to the church each year, how much was spent by each ministry department, how well they're adhering to budgets, and how healthy the church is financially. The Bible has so much to say about managing finances well, so to know if a church is responsibly managing their finances, this is a great place to start. In this report, you can see the heart of the church. Is the the church supporting any local missions or efforts to feed and clothe the hungry or to support local schools? Does the church give to a global mission effort? How much money does the church invest in the children and teen ministries to minister to the next generation? How much money does that church have sitting in the bank? Is it trying to gain mass wealth? Are the salaries of the staff higher than they should be? You can learn a lot about the church in these annual reports, including how much they serve the world and the community outside of their own church walls. After all, churches do not and should not exist to create a consumer type of culture within their own walls. But to provide opportunity and create disciples who embody the Great Commission, which is in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, Jesus says in verse 18, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So there, Jesus' instruction, the Great Commission, wasn't to just teach the people within your walls, but to exist as a church to serve the greater community. The next thing to look for, I believe this is my last point, yes, the last thing to look for is the diversity of the church. Is the church diverse in people? Does the church represent a large body of people from different backgrounds, skin colors, country of origins, ages, and more? I grew up in rural town, Ohio, where diversity was not an expectation, although certainly welcome. So you knew going into my tiny little church on the corner of our town That there wasn't going to be much of a diverse culture there because it was primarily a town of white cow farmers. When I went off to college and moved to Chicago, I still remember the excitement of attending the college there with people from so many different backgrounds. From my roommates to different people I was with in my classes and different opportunities I had in my classes. I got to hear about the beautiful cultures of others, try new foods, experience different aspects of their culture from fashion to art and all these things, but what I gained mostly was a greater empathy and insight to the situations of others. The reason this is important as a church body is because we are not just called to serve the communities that we're the most familiar with or that we are Racially categorized under, but we are called to serve every man, woman, and child as a child of God. Is this important? Is this an important part of the church you are considering? After all, as stated in Revelation seven nine, every tongue, tribe, and nation will stand before the Lord. People often say, "I want to address this really quick." That Christianity is a white man's religion, but the truth is, is that Christianity, while has been it has been very westernized in American culture. It did not originate in America. Jesus, we have great reason to believe, was of a much darker skin color than most modern day portrayals. And diversity is something that is important to embrace to understand God's heart for all his children. The last thing I want to cover in this episode is whether or not a Christian needs to attend church in order, in order to be saved or to be a true Christian. You do not have to attend church to be saved or to be a quote-unquote true Christian. However, it is highly encouraged by the Bible. Church attendance attendance is not just a good suggestion, but it's actually God's will for believers. Hebrews 10.25 says, We should not give up meeting altogether as some are in the habit of doing. So here we see that it's a bad habit to give up meeting together. It goes on to say, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching is referencing Jesus's second coming. So here we see the author saying, it is a great idea. It's to your benefit to continue meeting and gathering for accountability, for encouragement until the day Christ comes back to collect his church. Even in the early church, some were falling into the habit of not meeting with other believers. The author of Hebrews says that that's not the way to go. There's a type of encouragement and accountability that we can only get from attending church— Again, it's about the sense of community and recognizing the gift that it is, that we're all given the Holy Spirit, not to go off into our own corners of the world or corners of our homes and and hide away with that gift, but to experience that gift together and recognize you have the Holy Spirit, you know Jesus, I want to celebrate you and your baptism coming up this week, and to notice that as something that can actually bring us all together despite our brokenness and despite our differences. There are so many who say, you know, oh, I watch church online. But the thing is, think about when you were 16 and learning to drive. Or if you're a parent now, picture your child, if they're still young as a 16-year-old learning to drive, would you rather take in-person classes where you are with other students and can get hands-on driving experience, or would you rather take a class online, hop in a car for the first time, and hope you pass your driving test? there is value in in in-person learning and an unbeatable skill development with hands-on experience. Some people also say, oh, well, you know, my faith is just super personal to me. It's not something that others need to know about or that I need to share. But the thing is, biblically, faith has always been an interpersonal thing, not just a personal thing. I can honestly say without going to church, volunteering, and getting involved in a small group, I would probably still be really nervous to pray out loud in front of others, but I developed that skill in community. I would probably still be uh, believe a few incorrect evaluations of scripture, but I learned from others in community. I would probably still have crippling stage fright, but I learned how to be on a worship team and rely on the help of others in community to actually utilize my calling to sing and so much more. Maybe you've experienced church hurt and have sworn it off and will never go back. But friend, let me tell you, God healed me in the very place that hurt me. Sure, it was a different church and a different denomination even, but I humbled myself to try it again and I found a community that has become closer than my blood family. So let us hold fast together to gathering together. After all, That's what we'll be doing in unison when Jesus comes again and as we worship him as the entire church body for all of eternity. So it's good practice now to gather and worship him for um, eternity later. I hope you guys found this episode really helpful and that you're encouraged to start church shopping, but not necessarily church hopping. It's okay to test a few as long as you don't become a perpetual church hopper, because the point is to find a church that feels like home and build community there. If you need help finding a church near you, you can always reach out to me. I'm I'm most familiar with churches in my area, which is Columbus, Ohio. However, I will do my best to help you look over some church websites. Or if you have more specific questions, you can reach out to me at Addie Overla on Instagram. I'll see you guys next week on Christ in Me with Addie, where we will be discussing how to overcome anxiety. As always, thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.